guys, it is Aquashella season. If you don't know what Aquashella is, go to Aquashella.com and you'll find the Chicago World Premier Aquarium Festival is going on. Uh, no, this is not a promo ad for Aquashella. Instead, it's a promo for J4 Flowerhorns. They will be at Aquashella Chicago August 14th and 15th. If you see them, go to the booth, say hi, tell them how much you like Aquarium Guys, and they'll give you 15% off anything at their booth, uh, anything for sale. I mean, you could try to get some other freebies. I mean, between you and me, you probably could. But uh, uh, at least 15% off what's on, on deck to be sold. So I have some insider secrets. If you're looking for flower horns, gars, parrots, albino, Chinese softshell turtles, Xantic fire eels, Bashirs, rays, he should be bringing them along to Aquashella. Get 15% off in, per in person, excuse me, in person at Aquashella. And for the rest of you that don't like to travel, maybe COVID's scary still, go to j4flowerhorns.com. Use promo code AquariumGuys at checkout to get yourself a fat 10% discount on everything else in the store. Don't wait. Get a piece of the extreme in that tank. That's all I got. Go give them some love. And uh, while you're there, uh, you know, whistle at uh, Big Rich inappropriately. He uh, he needs it. Let's kick that podcast. Jimmy, I did it. What'd you do, Robs? I finally sold my beta rack. You've sold your beta rack? Gone. Wow. 100% gone. I had people, uh, bless them by the way, drive all the way from the other side of South Dakota, somewhere over by Montana. Oh my lord. They drove overnight across well, like three, four states just to get here. Just to buy your beta rack. Right. They, they wanted it. I didn't need it. And nailed in 100 bucks. Good deal. So now we have enough to uh, do another podcast. Episode. Do one more podcast with the eight hundred dollars. Yeah, let's spend it all <laughs> right away. Let's get rid of it. Well, I'm your host, Rob Zolson. I'm Jim Colby, and I'm Adam Elnishar. So we have a wonderful guest I'm on. George Wait, there we go. <laughs> there we go, man. There we go. There's a bit of a delay, so you have to work with us. We got uh, George on a bit of a delayed connection, but. We have George Frankel on. He is the CEO of Eternal Reefs. And for those that have not heard of Eternal Reefs, of course, this whole podcast is going to cover what this amazing program is. But certainly check it out, eternalreefs.com. George, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, George, again, we're going to have a million questions, but just can you summarize what Eternal Reefs does for people? Sure. Eternal Reefs works with families and they've lost somebody and they want to create an environmental memorial specifically that's going to help preserve the ocean. And so they'll contact us. They'll pick a project for a, one of our project sites. We work in 14 different project sites and they'll pick the project in the time frame that they want to do this in. And we do these as projects with multiple families to keep the cost down. 
the logistics or what we do is extremely expensive and therefore we get to amateurize the cost over several families as opposed to one family having to pay the whole freight. Families will bring their loved ones to the site that they've chosen and we work hand in hand with them. They get to make a portion of the reef. And what we do is we make what we call a pearl. That is a piece of concrete where the cremated remains are already, they mix the cremated remains into it. We use the reef ball and a reef ball is a designed artificial reef system. It is literally the world's gold standard for artificial reef design. When they first came up with it, I'm gonna back out and give you a little longer story. Reef ball was developed by a group of divers from the University of Georgia who were diving in the Florida Keys on a regular basis. And they saw the degradation of the reefs. They decided they wanted to do something about it. So they had two primary questions that had to be answered. First one was, whatever they designed had to be stable in the marine environment. Second piece is whether or not Mother Nature really wants to work with this. And Mother Nature is a little bit finicky. We sink ships as recreational dive sites, and it takes her several years to make that material ready for her to grow hard corals and a lot of the soft sponges. Reef ball is designed with its round, its hollow, and its vented. If you can envision a wiffle ball that's been cut in half, that's pretty much what a, a reef ball looks like. 80% of the weight is in the lower 40% of the ball itself, so it's stable in the marine environment. It's got holes in it, so storm energy, when it builds up, dissipates around, through, and over the reef ball. I'm never going to tell you Mother Nature can't do something. I would tell you that if she moves one of these reef balls, we probably have much bigger problems on land than we do in the ocean. So we use the reef ball as our design material. It's used in more than 70 countries. And it's used for everything from shoreline mitigation to oyster bed restoration to mangrove development to fish habitat. And we design ours to be part of recreational fishing and diving reefs. So we put ourselves into the fish habitat area, if you would. Families, they get to make this piece of the reef. We bring a precast reef ball with us. And that gets inserted into the bottom of the reef and gets concreted into place. We also put fresh concrete on the top of the reef ball. And this is where families get to personalize the reef. So they'll put handprints in there. They'll bring non-toxic materials like coins that the family traveled to or military medals. And they decorate the top. Fishing lures are a big thing. By the time they're done, two things have occurred. One is a lot of us can look at the top of the reef and we have an understanding of who that person was in real life. More importantly, when this family leaves, they don't go home and they start talking about we went to Florida and buried grandma. They say is, you won't believe what we just did in Florida. When they get to see the amount of growth and life that these reefs support becomes a no-brainer. The best part from our standpoint is they take ownership of the marine environment at a level they never have before. So now when a cruise ship goes aground somewhere or somebody dumps oil, these, these families, maybe on a subconscious level, will be thinking in terms of, that could have been where mom is at. So long-term, we're certainly enhancing the marine environment, and we are creating some memorialization. Memorialization is changing in this country right now. We are going to what we've called green burial. Most green things, there are shades of green involved in this. We work closely with an organization called the Green Burial Council. They certify environmentally safe cemeteries, and they specialize in conservation cemeteries where there's no headstones. It's an ecologically important piece of land that's being preserved through the use of memorialization. We refer to ourselves as the surf and turf of the natural burial movement. What they're trying to do to preserve land is largely what we're trying to do to preserve the ocean. So if I may, George, it's a lot to take, uh, take in. So you guys make reefs 
um, you use the cremated ashes of a deceased loved one. There's a full ceremony to customize the... You described, and I'm on your website looking at these uh, devices, it literally does look like a wiffle ball cut in half, a large wiffle ball. And you create a reef to memorialize a loved one instead of just a traditional gravestone. I think that's fan uh, number one, fantastic. But right. I want to know a little bit more about, number one, how did this company start? And two, how did you get put in this position? You know, uh, what, what's, what's the background? Oh. And wh- wh- were you the one with the light bulb idea? I wish I was. I was in another bit, an entirely different business. And one of the divers from the University of Georgia was working with me in that business. And I had known vaguely that he had been involved in this reef project when he was in college, but had never really thought a great deal about it. He had promised his father-in-law that when his father passed away, he would include the, him his remains in one of the reefs. His father-in-law knew he was going to be cremated. And so what his father-in-law said was he'd much rather be in the ocean with all that life and activity going on around him than in a field with a bunch of old dead people. I mean, <laughs> his father-in-law makes sense. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. And so when he passed away, Don came in and told me he needed time off to go do this special reef project with his father-in-law's family. I was dealing, my mother's life was winding down. My brother had just been diagnosed as terminal. My mother was going to be the last person in our family cemetery plot. It would be filled. Either my brother nor myself had any interest in being buried. We both planned on being cremated and we had no interest in going to the family cemetery plot. He lived in Houston. I lived in Atlanta at the time, and it just wasn't in the cards for us. Instant Don said what he was doing with his father-in-law's remains made all the sense in the world to me. I said, look, you obviously can have the time off, but when you come back, I want to sit down and talk about this from a much broader perspective. That was really where Eternal Reefs kind of started from. Wonderful. That that's just- It literally came from uh, someone that had their last wishes of this. And now it's, uh, that's a great idea. And now we've turned this into a project that other people can participate in as well. And Don's wife summed it up best, I think. What she said was, it's not so much that he's gone. It's more like, look what he's doing now. And <laughs> he's transferred. That was just a great line. He got a job really transfer. Yeah. I feel like that should be everybody's goal. <laughs> like, I, I'm 30 now. I'm not the uh, the oldest uh, book in, in the uh, page in the book, but... Shut up. I, I, I've been literally talked to like by my uh, employment agencies and whatnot in the past. Like, oh, how, what is your wishes for retirement? Do you have your will done? And they give you all this whole packet as you start a new job. I'm like, wow, this is going pretty deep <laughs> for just getting a new job. And you have to like answer these questions. I, you know, it's, it's like the, how do, you, how do you explain it? You're in high school, right? And you're going to career day. And you see that like, there's farmers, plumbers, doctors. And then you get the one guy that had the idea of shooting a chicken out of a cannon. And everybody wants that. I feel like this is like, uh, that should be in the uh, packet. Here's a pine box. Here's just traditional cremation. And here's this really sick, awesome reef idea. And you can use the line of, what are you doing now? Like, that's just the coolest one in the whole whole collection. I don't understand why that wasn't in my appointment uh, pamphlet. (laughs) This is better than the haunted forest idea. Hunt? Whoa, whoa, what's the haunted forest idea? What is the haunted idea? forest idea, Adam? That's where they, like, take your ashes and then put you in a pod where you can grow trees. And then they put a little plaque saying that you are now this tree. And I'd rather be a reef than a tree because that's how you get haunted forests. Uh, see, that that is fair. <laughs> you, you know, you bring that up, Adam. Uh, one of my former workmates died unexpectedly. And we're, we're in Minnesota. And he loved to go out to Montana hunting. And... What his wife did is after he was cremated, they took his ashes. 
They put it in his saddlebag of his horse and his hunting pals took him up. She didn't go along, but the hunting pals took him up to the mountains and, and they hung his ashes in the saddlebag up in a tree with a note in it saying what they had done and, and to leave it alone. And I always thought that was pretty cool. And that was one of his favorite places to go was go hunting elk up in, up in uh, Montana. So he's, Johnny's up there right now enjoying himself and i tell you what i could see myself here in the bottom of the ocean watching the fish swim by i mean no doubt okay so i have clearly a million questions this can go on a lot of different things and i feel like you go over these questions with people during the, their first inquiry on your website they you message in hey how can i do this how much does it cost stuff like that but when did you start working at, at this career I literally started, I sold my other business in 1999 and started working on the Eternal Reef concept right then. I just dedicated to it? Were, so did you, you, did you, you like you, marine life in any way before that? or? I Absolutely. First off, I was in the Coast Guard and I worked in New York Harbor a good bit. I understood value as soon as I heard what this was. And my sense was that this was going to be something that at some point in time would become a mainstream memorial. My skill set quite honestly, is I build delivery systems. I'm not much of a salesman. Um, I don't know. I'm sold already. A long time to, <laughs> um, logistically, it took a long time to get all these pieces in place. Everything that we do is permitted. And at different points in time, the permit can be handled by as many as 26 different federal, state, and local agencies. We have to report everything we do before we do it. We have to report everything we've done after we do it. So it's a, it's a heavily regulated process. Why is that so regulated? What What's the regulation needed? Like, I can't remember the last time, like, again, I haven't researched a, like a land plot because I never plan to be buried, but I can't imagine like normal traditional cemetery burial would be that regulated. It Well, on the front end it is, but once the cemetery is set up, it becomes a very straightforward process, but there are a fair number of regulations for cemeteries. Is, is that like the same for, uh, the for reefs? You you have a, a aquatic cemetery, and once it's been established, it's a lot easier? Oh, and we stay away from the term cemetery when we talk about this. Right. These are the reef reefs. Systems and uh, they're public reefs that were built with private money. Everybody gets to use them and uh, enjoy them. Uh, sorry, I forgot your question. I'm getting good at that. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just uh, like this whole thing of like a bunch of regulations around this just blows my mind. I don't think there's a you know a ton stopping one a person to get buried in a certain location. There might be a couple forms that get filed the city. There is, and there's legitimate justification for many of the regulations. I won't tell you all of them, sure, but certainly many of. Them. And what happened was back in the '70s, we started developing artificial reefs for the very first time on a regular basis. And at that time, nobody really understood a lot of what would happen. So we used tires. And there are tire reefs off of Miami and Fort Lauderdale. They've got 3 million tires on them. And they've all broken up and they're scattered all over the ocean floor. Same thing is true off of North Carolina. And so these tire, the ones in Miami and Fort Lauderdale, they are now hiring the uh, Navy SEALs to dive down and recover tires. Then they're going to go to private contractors, but they're using the Navy SEALs as a training mission. They used to use car bodies. They used to use washing machines, and people would just take these things out and dump them anywhere. Now, reefs are designed for specific purposes. There may be a, a secret reef for juvenile fish that never gets published. There are recreational reefs like the ones that we work on. There are oyster reefs. There's all different kinds of reefs, and there are regulations to check those different types of reefs from other types of utilization or misuse. So I'm okay with the fact that we are regulated. Like I said, some of the regulations are a bit more onerous than others. 
is what it is. We try to get the Army. Army Corps is God, is God when it comes to issuing these permits. They're involved in every single one of them. And we try to get them to adjust some of their requirements. And from time to time, we're successful. So we're okay. I'm okay with the regulation. Other reef builders may have a different opinion. So, again, the like the amount of garbage that you've been uh, talking about, uh, using tires, using washing machines, what have been, over time, like reliable artificial reefs since it only started in 1970? Like, you said that wiffle balls cut in half are the gold standard of how they do it now, but there must have been something in between them that are still considered viable reefs. There are. Actually, most of them were developed in the 90s after the Reef Ball Foundation came out and did its first demonstration projects. Then there were a lot of, I can do this too kind of a thing. Our problem, both from a reef builder standpoint and from a memorialization standpoint, is everybody thinks they can go down to Home Depot and buy a box of concrete, and I are a reef builder. And there is so much more to this that people have failed to see. We've had any number of people try to be our competitors and never understood that we look at this as a reef building program, not so much as part of the funeral industry use memorialization as the tool that we get to build these reefs for or buy. So regulation side is is fine with me to a certain point. And again, these regulations are designed to keep pirates out of the process, if you will. People still go out in the middle of the night and will drop something and have their own private fishing hole. Now there are regulations that should be followed. Well, I'm going to play a million questions when I get to get to mine. But Adam, Jimmy, you guys got to have some. I'm just seeing Jimmy's uh, head explode here. Well, I've just always seen like you know people will go up to the mountains and release the ashes and stuff, or they've they've done it in Times Square and different things and and gotten in trouble. What kind of regulations are there? I mean, can a person just go out to sea and throw the ashes in the ocean legally? Can you do that? No. When the Clean Water Water Act was passed back in the 1970s. It included specific constructions with regards to cremated remains and the use of waterways collectively. And what they did back then, first off, we probably had about a 3 or 4% cremation rate, maybe a little bit higher. So nobody really knew cremated remains were due to the environment. So in the law, they stipulated that to scatter ashes, you must be a minimum three miles from the nearest shoreline. At that point, you can scatter the ashes. So... In theory, everybody goes three miles offshore. Uh, in the Gulf, it's nine miles. You go into international waters, and that's where you can release the, the uh, ashes. Now, you were talking about Times Square and your friend who's scattered up Montana. Scattering of ashes on land is also very tightly controlled. And that is, if it's public land, in most cases, you need to talk to, I would say, the Recreational Administration. They may issue you a permit to do it. They may not. We tell people, and I will deny forcefully if this goes any much further, that is forgiveness beats permission sometimes. So with your friend up in Montana, I'm going to assume just for the sake of this conversation that that was private land. You should have gone to the landowner and asked for permission. That's really key to the whole thing. Well, it's just the um, the decent thing to do. See, I, the only reason I know is. anything about like legalities of this, because you don't think about it, right? About some unique situations of this. There is a national radio show called Lex and Terry. It's just a bunch of gentlemen on there doing stuff for slapstick comedy. It's, it's been going on for many years. And I remember there being bits of them going in as, because they always like, you know, hidden microphone pranks for the radio. And they went in, they got a bunch of ashes and pretended to spread grandma, you know, a metaphorical grandma, 
inside of a grocery store and they did this like twice and sure enough the cops got called they had city ordinances saying where you could where you can and can't spread ashes the grocery store said that it was like a humane you know sanitary thing through the usda like it was crazy what the radio station had to go through for for like a risk assessment and it wasn't even real it was just that was just them trying to like get a prank if you will and they mm-hmm. got in that much trouble just faking it i can only imagine what like a real ceremony would have actually led to Permission. Permission always for those that are listening. Exactly. Adam, you know a guy. And the other thing we tell people, by the way, with scattering ashes, and we don't mean to, to be condescending when we say this, but we always tell people, if you're going to scatter ashes, the first thing that you do is check the wind. Yeah, you don't want to be breathing grandma in. Yeah, you don't want to wear grandma and wash off grandma later. It's not. That, that's exactly. just a common sense thing. No, thanks. That's uh, what my dad always told me. Never pee into the wind. Never pee in the same wind. Same concept. My dad, told me concept. Never, my dad told me never pee on an electric fence. That's also very important. I'm glad you learned that one the hard way. That's right. That's right. why I'm uh, the way I am. <laughs> Adam, I know you're, you're chomping at the bit. What you got questions for George so far? No, I'm just listening. All right. Oh, you're well, just li- listening tonight. Well, hell, I'll take some questions. So now that we know that it's, it's regulated for good purpose, what is a protected area? Because I'm trying to like assume I was in Florida... And we went on a fishing trolley for fun. It was I did with this with Jimmy, actually. It was probably the best vacation I've ever had. And it was so much fun. We got to sit on this fishing trolley. They gave us uh, these rod and reels. You put a piece of squid on it. And it was purposely set so that you have a leader to drag on the bottom of the ocean. And sometimes you catch a rock or a piece of something. Another time you catch a fish. I- I'm assuming they did this in a regulated fishing area where they had the legal rights to do this. What's protecting these areas from, say, a fishing trolley or someone that's looking for the deadliest catch and putting nets out? Sure. What's protecting these areas once you have a reef established? Well, the first thing that happens is, and you're spot on with the, the trawlers and the nets, these reef sites, when they're permitted, become part of the public information. And most of the, we work very closely with a bunch of shrimpers up and down the coast. They will not trawl in an area that there is marked reefs. They're going to lose their nets. They're going to lose their equipment. So the Coast Guard, and again, this is one of our regulators, they make sure that they have approved that area. They have approved the height coming off the ocean floor, that particular area. And other than those designated areas, shrimpers can go virtually anywhere they want. There are, from a recreational fishing standpoint, virtually the entire ocean is open. There may be limitations with regards to you can't anchor in certain areas, so you have to drift fish. There may be some special management zones. This is something relatively new. It's come out probably in the last 20 years where they are specifically putting material down to study what happens, to see which fish migrate on it, which fish will spawn on it, what type of corals or sponges will grow on it. And these areas are frequently either not published or they are published in a manner where you're not supposed to be there. So for recreational fishing, pretty much the ocean is, is open to you. Now, how, how deep are you guys down making these coral reefs? I, I mean, I'm, I know you have to be down a certain depth, but I mean, you also still need the sunlight to uh, propagate corals and whatnot. How, how deep are these? We try to work anywhere between 30 and 60 feet. Most of our reefs are at 45 feet. We try to keep them at recreational diving levels so that if people do want to dive on them, they can go and see them. We do have some reefs that are in deeper water. We, the re- deepest we've ever worked is 96 feet. And the shallowest, we've done some special reefs inshore in oyster bed restoration projects. 
I'm sorry. Once again, I forgot your question. I was just asking how, how deep you guys go and, and how far you're offshore, things like that. Okay. In some of the cases, we have to be in federal waters. So we are either three or nine miles offshore. In Texas, we're nine miles offshore. In New Jersey, I'm sorry, in Maryland, we're three miles offshore. So we also try to be at a depth where most storm energy won't build up. That's that 30, 40, 50, 60 six foot level. Most storm energy will not be very significant down there. Again, I'm not going to tell you Mother Nature can't do something, but this is part of our intended plan is to try to put these in areas where there's low energy buildup or there's some level of protection from the energy buildup. More questions. The materials. So again, you said that there's a lot of people assuming that they could go to the local Home Depot, get a, a bunch of concrete and try to pour and make their uh, make their own and mix them with mom and dad. Is the material, I'm assuming it's proprietary. If not, what? how did you guys figure out the perfect optimal material to do these spheres? Great question. As I said, there are two primary issues. One is stability and the second is mother nature's interest in working on it. These divers developed a specialized concrete formula. They bring the pH content down to almost neutral. This allows Mother Nature and what we call the ocean this nutrient-rich desert. All these microorganisms floating around looking for a place to land and burrow in and start to grow. When they come on the reef ball, Mother Nature can put them right to work. The other thing that we do, because the concrete's pH neutral, and we texture the outer surface of the reef itself. So if you took a close look at some of the pictures, you would see that it's very, very gravelly. And we do that intentionally. What we do is... When we cast the reef ball itself, we open up the mold to take the reef ball out. Very first thing we do is wash that reef ball down with water. What that does, I'm sorry, the first thing we do is we put sugar water on the inside of the mold. And what the sugar water does is it retards the concrete from setting up. So when we open the mold, we hose the reef off right away. All of that concrete washes off. All the Portland washes off. It leaves a very rough textured surface. This is where the microorganisms get to burrow in and start to mature and propagate before predators have a chance to feed on them. And this is why you'll see growth on these reefs as soon as within six weeks in some cases. You'll actually see physical growth. Fish will migrate onto these as we're putting them in the water. The microorganisms that we're really looking to attract will take a little bit of time, but they love working with reef balls. It's a new palette for Mother Nature to work with. All right. So... How are these, you said the the process, and you went through a, a few steps, is they have like a ceremony where they put their belongings as long as they are safe to put out onto the reef. Right. Uh, within reason, they get to propagate these onto the sphere. What's the, the next step? Is there a ceiling that you do uh, put on it? Again, you want to keep it rough. It's already pH neutral. Is it just that it's set in the mold, or is there some more to seal those keepsakes in it? I don't think. You just... It is now rather ready for Mother Nature. Gotcha. The pearl itself is concreted, so it cannot come out. All these mementos, we make sure that they're properly adhering, so they should stay. At some point in time, Mother Nature is going to knock some of those things off. But the whole process, we call it a four-day process. We do the casting on a Friday, call the Saturday the family fun day. They go do what they want to do in the community, and we come back and we finish up cleaning the reefs up and getting them ready for presentation. On Sunday... We have the families come back and they get to see the finished reef. They get to take rubbings of the plaque. They get to take pictures. We give them children's sidewalk chalk and they can ride all over the reef and little kids will climb inside the reef. What we hear from parents with regards to kids being involved is this is the best way I've ever seen to introduce my child to a loss. 
There's no dark room. There's no whispering. There's no open hole in the ground. There's no casket. There's no body. It's an arts and crafts project. So kids get fully involved. We have them help to mix the remains. They put handprints in. And then when we have the viewing, they'll climb inside and draw all over the inside of the reef. And we make sure that if we have any veterans, they get their military honors presented on Sunday as part of the viewing process. And Monday, the fourth day, we will take the reefs out on one boat and all of the families out on another boat. They get to witness their loved one's reef being placed on the bottom. After all the reefs are placed on the bottom, each family is given the individual opportunity to dedicate that reef site to their loved one, to give them a small tribute reef made of the same concrete formula that we use for the big reefs, give them flowers, and when they're done saying their goodbyes, they'll drop the, re the tribute reef over the side, and that too becomes part of the habitat. Once all the families are done, we then dedicate the reef to all the people we memorialize that day. We circle the reef, sound the boat's horn, and return to the dock. So is it just placed and then you let Mother Nature completely take over? Or is there any type of like coral fragging that people can do to tr begin to propagate parts we, of, uh, of this eternal reef? So we do not, as eternal reefs, do any other additional propagation. We don't, we don't do coral transplants. But reef balls are used worldwide for coral transplants. And there are special, we call them dimples, little receivers for broken coral. And can tell you the quick story is that Aruba got hit with a heavy hurricane many years ago, and it's rare for hurricanes to go that far south. They lost tons of coral. We called the Reef Ball Foundation. The Reef Ball Foundation brought its molds over to Aruba, cast a bunch of reef balls, and then local divers went out and picked up the broken pieces of coral. They then put them in nutrient cups, and when tourists came, they would sell them the piece of coral and a little bit of glue and tell them where to go and plant that coral. So they paid for the project, got the corals transplanted, and I promise you some of those families came back. They wanted to see what had happened in the years since they'd been there before. We have families coming back to all of our reef sites on a regular basis, so there's an ecotourism portion of what we bring to the community. Again, when families see what these promote and, and preserve, it's just amazing. I, t I just applaud you. This is so well thought out. You guys have not missed a thing. I mean, I, I, I'm really impressed that it, it's a four-day event. It's a mini vacation. Let's get rid of grandma. I'm just really, really impressed. This is uh, very, very well thought out. See, I'm, I'm just thinking about myself, right? I, I now want to somehow bribe you because, you know, everybody's got like this little retirement fund that they, they put in. And was it accidental dismemberment? There's a whole will now with my employment. So if I happen to be deceased at an early point, I have to now prepare this. So is there any way I could bribe you for my eternal reef? Oh, first of all, to uh, have Jimmy propagate some, some coral on there. You have to know that Rob's is a re <laughs> Robbie is a really big guy, so we're going to need two of them, yeah. if not three. There's going to be... Probably three. It's probably be, three. Yeah. It's going to be an XL version. Yeah, for sure. we're, we're going to need an extra long, tall version, yeah. And do you have a fat I'm reef? Not... That would be... <laughs> we can certainly arrange something. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We'll, 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 Feed we the fishes. I'm always up for a, a good bribe. All right, I know we need to be respectful of uh, people's, uh, people's loved ones, but we would not do our interviewing justice if we didn't ask you what's some of the more bizarre requests that you've gotten. Because, again, you've done this a long time, and when it comes to people's uh, way of remembering and memorializing their loved ones, people, it can get weird. We've heard a lot of stories above ground. I can only imagine what happens below, uh, below water. If you don't mind, let me take a step back. Sure. One of the advantages of cremation is that families can do multiple things. So we've had many families come and say, you know, we're, we're using half of dad's ashes for the reef. 
and we were going to scatter the other half of the ashes at the deer stand where he always used to hunt. We've had people make diamond rings. We've had people use cremated remains in shotgun shells. Pretty much if you can think of a place to put cremated remains, people can do something with regards to that. I, I think I saw saw one time that Cheech and Chong wanted to do something with somebody's <laughs> remains. Is that well, for real? Yeah, that you're being for real. No, I, I mean it was it was a bit they did about about smoking grandma. I think you know. Wow, wow, go Cheech and Chong. Oh, Keith, Chong. Keith Richards snorted his father. That's right. I do um, remember that. that you're actually, kidding me. No. Do I have to Google this stuff, or are you guys just picking? No, on it me? is absolutely true. There was a woman in Australia who had her husband's cremated remains injected into her. Silicone breasts. Really? Really. That would probably bother her second husband, I'm guessing. That would. <laughs> I don't know. that. I can, oh, that's that's a lot. I feel like someday, Jimmy, you and I just need to Google a list of things that people have done with their remains. You know, I'm just wondering, would there be a problem? Like, if you were, like, let's, let's say somebody's ex-wife, you tied her to the reef. <laughs> you know, she wasn't really cremated, and you just found a rope around a leg. And that's a Chicago the, thing in in uh, was, another era. It was, it's not for me. It's not, it's not about my ex wife. It is, but when we did our first project in New Jersey, we were written up on the front page of the New York Times at night. Jay Leno's monologue was just read in the paper that they're burying all these people off the coast of New Jersey in concrete. What's so new about that. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing new about that. Well, I'm glad Jay Leno gave you some good press there. That's good. He did. did. We appreciate it. What is, again, some of the more unique requests that you can share with us? We have one of our very first families. Woman memorialized her first husband, her second husband, and her second husband's first wife in the same reef. Wow. Was her name the Black Widow? Any questions about that one? Because that seems a little (laughs) odd. I, I don't know. That does seem like a Jer- uh, New these Jersey were, thing. These were her four people who grew up from kindergarten. Okay. Together. Oh. And when each one of their respective spouses passed away, these two got married, and their agreement was whoever passed away first, the survivor would do this with their remains, not necessarily an eternal reef, but do something where all three of them would be together, and the goal for her when her time comes would be to join them. And she is still with us. That. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not creeped out. I guess that's not the word I'm looking for. The Black Widow. I'm just. I feel like it's. Uh, I feel like it's not my place to comment. But that would be. Uh, that'd be an interesting concept. I'm just trying to like put myself in uh, some of my friends' shoes. Like, uh, imagine. Nobody wants to be buried with you. You're on your own. No, I'm just imagining like all the jokes you put about your ex-wife, like that happening. They're not. They're not jokes, Robbie. <laughs> they're not jokes. No, they're not jokes. <laughs> oh, okay. What else would you have? Because I, I feel like that's crazy, but still pretty tame. When I first started this, I was doing Google searches for the same reason you were just talking about. I wanted to find out what people were thinking and what they were doing. What to expect. And I found a website. That I, I, To this day, I do not know if it was tongue-in-cheek or it was for real. The reason why I say that was it was another Australian website. And there's a possibility it could have been for real. <laughs> what they were planning was cryogenicizing the body, putting salt blocks on the ankles and taking it out to the Great Barrier Reef and dropping it over the side as we called it a sharksicle. <laughs> the idea would be as it started to thaw, the fish would freeze uh, feed on it. I promise you, found the website and to this day, I do not know if it was for real or if it was tongue in cheek. I feel like human Is chum. I, I feel like that would be like inciting like sharks to feast on humans. I don't know. I feel like there's an ethical right ethical back thing to my, right there. Right back to my ex-wife question right there. <laughs> okay. I have. 
Wow, that's have, uh, that's crazy. My, Go ahead, George. I have a bit. Somebody came to see me about doing something similar, and they left their business plan with me. And their business plan, you talked about chum. Their business plan was was they would take a body, they would pop it up, put it in a chum bag, and try to draw the apex predators and videotape the apex predator being on the chum. And this is for real. I have the business plan. And they were from Jersey? I'm not going to lie. All the loved ones would never forget the, seeing a 14-foot great white. But I don't feel like that's a, like an, a way to memorialize someone. If we did you, Robbie, we'd have to, Shamu would come in. Right. We'd have to have something big. <laughs> I'd have the whole telecom. <laughs> that's right. We'd have to have something, yeah. Great, right a great white stuff. Is that they found that Megalodon Carcharodons might be alive? Are you serious? The world's largest shark? Yeah. Yeah. Really? They'd probably yeah, pass so. off Robbie. There. That would be something that would be fitting to chum me, chum me out there for. Here you go. If I could I dis- may do it. If I could discover a new species, that'd be a way to go right there. Well, okay. Uh, Adam, you. Yeah. This went south in a quick hurry, didn't it? I'm just trying to really it was, it was wrap my a, head around this. It was whole so thing. beautiful for a minute there. Maybe I'm just not ready to, 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 to write up that will. You know, Jimmy? I just got to. Got to figure this out. Well, we're all going to die, so you got to make a decision, or else you're going to have people like myself making the decision what to do with your body, and I really don't care, so you probably don't want me making that decision. I'll just make sure to leave you my TV. That's right. I'll, yeah. I will tell you guys that one of the biggest problems we have on the memorialization side is that families have not sat down and talked about what their final wishes are, and so a lot of times you've got... Two people thinking the best and wanting to do the best have two different opinions as to what dad wanted. So I urge everybody to sit down with your family and have the discussion. Talk about what you want done when you can no longer advocate for yourself. Put it in writing. And there is a website called Conversation Project. And it is a website that is designed to give families the tools so they can have this discussion. But it's it, it literally is the greatest gift you can give your family and yourself. It, you know, it, it's it the last thing you want to don't want Jim figuring out where you're going. No kidding. You know, especially with my wife has been a nurse for years. And there's so many families that, especially around here, we have a lot of large families where five of the kids say mom wanted to be unplugged and the other three are going, no way, don't do it. And it's so much easier. Like when, when my mom passed, I knew exactly what her wishes were. My brother knew exactly what her wishes were. And that decision was not left up to us. And that gave us mm-hmm. great peace, great peace. You know, the Terry Schiavo, a lot of people have forgotten Terry Schiavo case here in Florida. This is a woman who was kept on life support through court action for, I guess, 15 years. I'm, I, I don't recall how long. But again, she was, my point being this, and that is one thing we have learned is nobody is guaranteed tomorrow. And so this is a very important conversation to have, regardless of what your age is. We have done memorials for infants. We've done memorials for people that are over 100 years old. This is, as you just said, Jim, this is a gift. It really is, and it's an important gift. And it starts when you can no longer speak for yourself. So I have a couple questions from the audience. I got one. What is the difference between this project for Eternal Reefs and the Granada Underwater Reef Gallery? Are these kind of headstones underwater? Are they dividable for family members to visit? Divable. I'm not familiar with the Granada project, so uh, I apparently, can't speak to that. I, I tried to Google it myself, and it looks like, and I, I'm paraphrasing here, it looks like it is an aquarium gallery that might be housing something. I'm not real, real certain. I, I almost feel like that was a project where people donated money and they want to be memorialized, not necessarily by their ashes, but by someone's charitable donation is what it looks like. Sure. You're seeing a lot of underwater artwork starting to develop now. There are a couple of artists. Jason Detailer from England has done a lot of projects. 
One of them is off of Cancun. Another one is in the Bahamas. But these are statues. And a lot of people have donated money, have their name on the statues as well. Going back to the question, all of our reef sites are diveable, and that's part of our intention. Now, is there some program you work with the locals to you know, facilitate that those dives? We can. When families call us, we've got local contacts that we can set them up with. We don't really get involved in that, but we have referral. Wonderful. So I don't like cold water. Can you put me somewhere where the water's warm? <laughs> Seriously. I'm glad you asked. I bet I'm you other people have asked, asked, haven't that. they? But I will tell you what we hear all the time. I'm from Minnesota. All I care about is I want to be someplace where the water is warm. Absolutely. I had enough cold for my whole life. And what they also say is this way, my family has a reason to go someplace warm for a vacation. So question that you raised, we get it all the time. Just as long as the water is warm, I don't care which project I'm in. Yeah, that that's, that's totally works. Or else you could put me at Walt Disney World because my kids love going to Walt Disney World. There you go. And you could bury me under a bush somewhere. Oh, Reefball actually built the Walt Disney snorkeling reef on the Walt Disney Island for the cruise line. They're using reef balls there. Wonderful. Well, maybe you could put me in the living seas so when people are eating, they can see me inside the aquarium there. The no, seas. you just want to be put like you want to be ground into Red Rock Stadium. No, that's I what you want. I, so you could be there when every concert happens. That's what you want. Jimmy. Yeah. Either that or I want to be next to a restaurant where I could eat. Oh, I'm just saying, if you could put me at a Waffle House, that's a way to go. That's right. <laughs> Actually, I'm at the Waffle House. I'm just going to throw you out of the parking lot of Denny's. good thing you're not shooting too high there. Right? Yeah. We don't have Waffle Houses in Minnesota, so we look forward to them. Yeah, we have to go down south. The question was that we had a message in is, a lot of people that get cremated, a weird, I think, in my opinion, a weird tradition is that they keep grandma or grandpa in an urn in their house. And you see, like, you know, Meet the Fockers or, you know, other movies that, you know, the, the worst thing will happen. Grandma will tip over and they get dumped on someone or just, it's, a, it's supposed to be like an incredibly, like, awkward moment when something like that happens. It's well, great comedy is what it's called. Is there any facilitation that you guys have had in making a uh, aquarium reef for someone so they can have grandma on in an urn in the home? The answer is we're doing that right now. Somebody who is a home aquariumist has asked us to include cremated remains in one of our small tribute reefs, which is what we are going to do. And we've done that two or three times in the past. Hadn't been frequently requested, but we're perfectly prepared to do it when families want it done. You know, I think another great idea, and I'm just going to throw this out there, and I'm not trying to be funny. Hey, this is a free idea. Just let him know. So he has rights to this. Yeah, you have rights to this. You can do this. Wonderful. You're giving him permission. I mean, how about you see some of these beautiful, on the patios of of all these different home shows, these big cement pizza ovens or a big cement barbecue, you know, (laughs) mix me in a big cement barbecue (laughs) thing. And at least I'm around the family and I get to see what they're eating. I mean, that's, I feel like that's a whole, like, again, like I'm just trying to help cleanliness sp- thing. No. I don't want you well, baked into my pie, if you know what I mean. Shut up. <laughs> I appreciate the thought, but that's probably something you want to run by Weber. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right now, the guys at Weber are going, hey, I got a great idea. I love this guy. <laughs> we got to keep him on the podcast more often. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm selling that to Weber. I, I see. I was going to give it to you, George, but I, I'm going to sell it to Weber. There you go. Perfect. Fine with it. Wet <laughs> Weber grills. Let's see. I got a couple more. How big are the balls? Excuse me. Smallest smallest one we use for memorialization, and we're done with it. Weighs 750 pounds. Wow. Largest oh. one that we use weighs about 3,500 pounds. Now, this is the traditional balls that you have for the reefs. I'm assuming when they do this aquarium thing, it's more custom and it's a one-off. 
It is. And we use our small trip. We can only use a small portion of the remains. Right. So they'll send that to us and we'll create the tribute reef with the remains in it. So I can't remember if you said pounds or, or, or feet, because we have both questions here listed. How many, uh, you know, what is it dimension wise, height and width? And what is the poundage? Oh, the, the poundage ranges, as I said, from 750 up to 3,500. The base of the reef, the small reef is three feet in diameter and two feet high. Middle sized reef that we use, which weighs about 1,500 pounds, is four feet at the base and three feet high. And the large reef that we use that's 3,500 pounds is five feet at the, is six feet at the base and five feet high. All right, next question by this. And guys, this is a, a really unique show with a lot of great questions from you guys. If you ever want to join the debauchery, join us. Go to AquariumGuysPodcast.com. On the bottom of the website, you'll find our link to Discord. It's uh, how we do these chats live. Again, we try to do them Mondays around 7 o'clock when we can, uh, Central Time. And you can ask questions live as well. Next question is, uh, you mentioned before that these, again, spheres, bio balls, half of wiffle balls, are pH neutral when you mix them. How does that change when human remains are added to the uh, the substance that you make it? Would that just create more nutrients for whatever's trying to grow onto it? Or do you still aim for after human ashes have been added as something still more pH neutral? We use the same concrete formula for the pearls that we use for the reef ball. So the concrete is pH neutral. The difference is in place of the sand in the pearl, we use the cremated remains. It replaces the sand. So it's still the same design. It's still the same concrete. What I will tell you is there's a mistaken thought that cremated remains have some nutrient value. There is some calcium that's left behind. That is the degree of contribution that cremated remains make to any of these projects. Well, let's get to the big questions then. What is this? What does it cost? Like talk brass tacks of like what I need to save up. Because I'm, I'm trying to like paint in my mind what they told me funerals were on. And, you know, we've all had loved ones. And we had to plan funerals. Like, what was the last minimum one? I think my uncle we had to bury, and his just for a simple funeral was twenty five thousand dollars. So, what 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 does something like this cost? We have two different programs. One is the attended program. The other is the unattended program. There's a little bit of price differentiation. But keep in mind that we are a an approved five hundred one c three charitable organization. So. Whoever pays the reef actually gets a, a tax deduction. The attended reef, the small one, which is we call the Aquarius, is $3,995. The middle-sized one that we call the Nautilus is $4,995. And the large one with, that we call the Mariner is $7,495. You would be too if it's unattended, If it's unattended, you take $1,000 off of each of those prices. So very affordable. So again, just to re-clarify for people, attended versus unattended. This is just for us showing up to a ceremony versus no ceremony. Or is there anything else like people check on the reefs to see how they're growing? What is exactly the attendance that you're speaking of? The attendance is the participation, the four-day process. So if they come to participate, then they'll pay the the higher price. Gotcha. If all they're doing is sending us the cremated remains and want us to handle it, and they get the unattended price. So, so for an extra thousand dollars, you guys can they take the family out on the boat and watch it being lowered down into the sea. That that's very affordable, honestly. Because I I've, I've buried both my parents in the last 10, 12 years and stuff. And like Rob said, I mean it's very very expensive. Earlier we we're talking about my friend Johnny who passed away, whose uh, remains 
or over in Montana, they rented rented a casket and it cost him $1,500 to rent the casket for the day. And then they cremated him and put his ashes in a canister and then put that in a saddlebag and took that up to Western North Dakota or Western Montana. So, I mean, just renting a goddamn casket that's been used from other people before was $1,500. It's ridiculous. Just before COVID started, actually, it was just when COVID was starting at the very uh, peak, my wife unfortunately lost her father. And we drove to the other side of North Dakota towards the Montana border and tried to arrange affairs, take care of his apartment. It was it was a rough time. And just seeing, we, we had to make sure he got processed at the local, what do they call those, funeral homes. And they were putting everything in front of us to figure out how we needed to take care of stuff. And he had money put away for this. But just looking at the, the coffin prices were anywhere from starting at like $3,500. Literally, I think the most expensive one they had listed was 50 k Right. But again, that's like if you're a celebrity or something. So let's go average. What? 8, 10 K? Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's insane. I mean, you literally buy a running car for the sake of a comfortable decorative box that right. you'd be buried in. And keep in mind that you're going to see that box for about an hour. Right. Right. Well, I mean, three if you're Catholic. Right. <laughs> Got it. At least three if you're right. Catholic. Yeah. When, when, when my dad passed away, they were trying to sell us the header. And I'm going, what the heck's a header? Well, you know what? When the casket lid is open there, then they can put like a picture of a John Deere tractor or a hunting scene, you know, and it's basically just kind of a, a silk screen on a pad that they put up there, which kind of reflects the life of that person. So it may be, like I said, a guy in a fishing boat or something. And those were $300. And the people that took care of my dad's funeral, a very small town in North Dakota and stuff. So they start telling us about it. It goes, yeah, it's only $300 and stuff. And, I, and we just kind of looked at him and he goes, and I'm just going to throw that in. I said, good, <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not giving you $300 for a picture of a well, tractor. That's damn decent of him. Yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for throwing that in. I'm, I'm sure somehow he still got it out of us somewhere. But All right. So another question we got from one of our listeners I just got messaged about is about pets. Yes, that's a great question. Right. I mean, pet memorials are getting more and more huge, especially I've seen a lot of different stuff that dogs have and cats have been really focused on. You can actually go into local pet stores and they have like a whole memorial programs that they have offered for your dear and dearly beloved pets. Do you guys do anything? Is there like mini ones you do or is that just kind of included in the same, those same packages? It's included in the same package. We don't charge anything for pets. And we've done as many as 18 pets for one person. Pets are very important. And what we tell people, because we are all either have been or are pet owners right now, what we tell people is, look, we'd be glad to work with you on your pet. We have to meet the same regulatory requirements for pets that we meet for people. And so we have to charge the same amount. And have you thought about hanging on to your pet's remains until your time comes? And then we can put the two of you together in your own reef. They instantly have a new best friend. They had not even considered the possibility that they could be with their pet. And from now on in, that person is going to be telling, because we all talk about our pets. My time comes, Rex and I are going to be together in a reef. So we actively discourage it. We're more than happy to do it. It's a lot of money to spend on a pet memorial. But but you could save your money and, and be mixed up. You know, we have lost uh, our two little dogs in the last five years. And I, my wife just kind of said, she goes, when I go, I'm going to make sure that I'm buried with Abby. And I always said, you know, I'm going to be buried with the Gus. When, when my mom passed away, my brother put the ashes of his dog in the casket with my mom because my mom loved that dog so much. And she never right. wanted to be alone, which, which is very comforting when you think about it. 
And so to be able to be cremated and mixed with your pet, and like you said, you've got a new best friend with you, that makes total sense to me. Well, next question that we got from the audience is, where are these sites at? The Gulf, Atlantic, Pacific, maybe inland? None inland. We are off of, right now, we work off of New Jersey, Maryland, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, and Texas. We are getting ready to add another state in the not-too-distant future. We're just not ready to announce it yet. So I see here, like, if you go on your website, and it says underneath, I believe it's offerings, it says scheduled locations. And here's where you have that list that you just uh, mentioned. And it shows here that you fill them by projects, which I think is really nice. Your goal is to put lake reefs in selected areas so that, again, the number one priority is building a reef and using the eternal part of it as memorials to help fund that is fantastic. So you have a list here of what you need to fill, when there's viewing, casting, and when there's cutoff dates, what projects have been fulfilled already, which I think is fantastic. If you are to pick a location, what has the biggest need for, the, for a reef right now? The biggest need, that's a tough question because there are different needs and different levels. It, it, I don't know that I can answer that question effectively. No worries. We, we always try to leave a couple to get you stumped. It's, so it's probably accomplished. I, it's probably where there's cold water, I'm guessing. Yeah, no one wants to put any in Alaska. Nobody so wants to be in Alaska. Jimmy. No. Oh, we do have reef balls in Alaska. See? Not for uh, me, buddy. Have, Not for you. By the way, we have memorialized a person from Alaska who said the same thing. I want the water to be warm. Damn right. So, I don't think tequila bottles would be, how do we say, pH neutral to bury with your reef, Jimmy. So that's already in. Bottle is fine. It's the tequila that you can't put down there, but we'll, we'll help you empty it. I will. Absolutely. It'll be empty when, I, when I'm going. It's going with me. I tell you that much. Oh, I'll put right on your thing uh, in memory of the tequila virus. Yeah. And then you also, you also can put on there. I don't know if you've ever looked, George. On the, on the international websites and stuff, but they've got all these crazy cool things that people have put on their headstones. And I think it was, oh, yeah. was, was it Groucho Marx? It's like, I told you I was sick or somebody like that. It's my favorite uh, tombstone epitaph is, here lies the body of Solomon Pease, under the daisies and under the trees. He's in here, only his pod. He shelled out and went home to God. That's fantastic. <laughs> wow. You know, the, the other thing I was thinking too, and, and George, you can use this if you want. Okay. You know, like when I die, you can take my ashes and you can make a new sidewalk for my ex-wife so she still can walk all over me. I'm just saying, well, you know. We could try that. <laughs> We're trying uh, to be accommodating. <laughs> That'd be a wonderful site. Yeah, you just want to be uh, memorializing the star of Hollywood so you can have people dance on you. I actually, I, I, I wouldn't mind being down like the Hollywood stars in the cement, looking up everybody's dress as they walk by. It wouldn't be bad at all. <laughs> Thought. Guys, I'm going to have to check out pretty soon. Well, I want to go back over one thing if I can. That please. Is, I think we're about ready to wrap up regardless. When okay. he said when he said check out, I thought he's dying for a second. Don't do that. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. But I do. I want to go back to the importance of the family sitting down and discussing these things. Absolutely. Again, what I was hearing both of you say is you both got caught in situations where you didn't know. 100%. And, um, Not fun. Yeah, and that's not the time for people to say, I think this, well, I think that. In the best of families, there's disagreements with regards to what mom or dad really wanted. My mother told my brother and my, my brother and I did not get along our entire lives up until the last couple of years. My mother sat down with both of us and said that she wanted to be cremated. My mother is Catholic. And my brother and I both knew that that wasn't true. But my father is Jewish, and he's buried in a Jewish cemetery. My mother was under the impression that she could not be buried there. Well, 
I set up her final arrangements. And when I spoke to, spoke to the funeral director, I said, George, what do you really want? I said, I want my mother buried next to my father. He said, we can do that. And I made him walk through everything he was going to do. I went out and I signed the papers and everything. I had not spoken to my brother. Called my brother up and said, Bob, I want you to know this is what I've done. I'm very quiet on the phone. He said, you know, mom told us she wanted to be uh, cremated. He said, I know, but we both know that she would prefer to be with dad. He said, you're right, and I'm fine with that. So I was lucky. My brother agreed with what I wanted to do. You know, Not all the time does that work out. Just peace of mind, people. If you're out there, and, and, and why separate your family at such a terrible time when you need each other? So, yeah, exactly. definitely have your stuff written down. Not just talked about, but written down. Because my mom had her stuff written down, but we knew what it was. We didn't have to look at it and stuff. And it just made all the difference in the world. It just made it made it a peaceful ending. And, exactly. And well, for those who are looking and you for felt good doing what they wanted done. Right. Right. For those who are looking for more resources, even on the eternalreefs.com website, there is the Conversation Project. I was introduced to this when uh, tragedy struck with us, and I, I certainly, in hindsight, would have would have rather dealt with that in this uh, this manner. So again, the Conversation Project dot org don't be afraid to sit down with your family members again if you guys are interested in eternal reefs go to eternalreefs.com on the website you can get your uh, free information kit have a conversation with george's team and they can help you establish and help the projects of building reefs and using uh, your memorials to help support that george thanks thank, thanks thank so you much all so much before i let you go that. you have this fantastic quote on your website if you don't have a plan you can become a part of someone else's plan i think that's fantastic mm -hmm. exactly exactly is there anything else we missed george not a thing we're in good shape well well thank you sir and if you got any updates or news for us we'd love to have you on again you've been a lot of fun I'd love to be back. Thanks again, George. Uh, very, very insightful. I mean, we all need to discuss these things with our family. We need to know what we want to do. And here's just another option of what you can do at, at your end of life. And you know what? Exactly. Take, take your pet with you. Take your favorite beer bottle or whatever you want. But just when you go, go happy. Great. Thank you, guys. You all take care. Thanks, George. If you guys like what you hear, go to AquariumGuysPodcast.com, bottom of the website. You can find a place to help support us, keep the lights on, but above all else, go to EternalReefs.com. Check that out. Until next week, I think, what do they say at Ohio Fish Rescue? Stay fishy, Stay my fishy, people. My friends. My friends. Here we Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. How big are the balls? Excuse me? Her husband's cremated remains injected into her silicone breasts. Would you like a fish, Jimmy? <laughs>